Borealis Entertainment presents Get Lost So You Can Find Your Way Home A Podcast Memoir by M.K. Lott Chapter 14 Sheetrock A week or two in, and we got maybe two or three customers in the furniture store. It didn't have much of a location to entice people from the road, in all honesty. In addition to being in front of a construction zone that seemingly had no end in sight, the store was located on a street that I could only and very quickly describe as gang territory. This was the area that the Christian had told me once when I helped him pick his son up from daycare, more on the logistics of that later, but he was very adamant to inform me that this was not a street you would want to be on at night. So, aside from a sign at the very top of the storefront, there wasn't much indication to prove that this place even existed to the eyes of any passerbys. This was just one of seemingly endless things the owner tried to solve all at the same time. The more I was there, the more apparent it became to me that she was pulled in more than one direction all the time. Case in point, After I was done reading the obligations of the job and its expectations, she asked me to do a favor. She was in the middle of renovations for the warehouse and needed help tearing out some spider ducts in the roof. I know what I should have said. I know that you know what I should have said. But I reassured myself that there were no customers coming in, and it certainly wasn't Amazon. So, in a moment's time, while the Christian and the resident were doing something similar but downstairs, I was moving over the beams with a box cutter and pliers, cutting the duct tape and holding it, and snipping the wire until the ducts came down with a dust-filled thud. Pretty soon, the owner even got the consultant in on it, tearing down a wall that had made the warehouse substantially larger. She constantly reassured us that it wasn't too much of a hassle and frequently stressed how ridiculous it was that I was hired for sales and marketing and I was doing anything but. I just made the argument in my head that as long as I was still presentable for customers coming in, I wasn't too upset about helping out such a small team who were devoted to the actual changing of the building. Until now that I look back at it, it doesn't bode well that when the electrical wiring became exposed, sparks literally flew. Out of the four guys who worked on this project, I was the only one who wasn't almost electrocuted by a hot wire. And I remember the first time when somebody almost did get electrocuted. I was giving people a tour of the store, and I knew little to nothing about the furniture or the couches that were offered there, so I just tried to make some small talk and tried to show them a little bit around while also teaching myself what was going on. And then I saw large, bright, orange flickering coming out of the side of the wall while I heard a zap. And the Christian took a giant step back and just continued to walk back and back and back, basically saying, nope, I am completely done with that spot. And it turns out he had thought that the wires weren't live and almost fried himself. 
The owner, without thinking twice, kept saying that it was impossible to have a hot wire because the power was allegedly turned off, and she made sure of it. I, thankfully, didn't almost get electrocuted, but apparently I had to deal with something else instead. After the wall was taken down, the brothers turned the power to that side of the building off for good, and we double-checked, and we moved a scaffolding into the center of the transitional space between the lit and the darker side of the store. After we took the wall and the spider ducks out, we had to tackle the next big task of this little extra project, which was taking out the sheetrock that split the warehouse into two. I had the glorious responsibility of standing on top of the scaffolding and carefully tearing off the smaller pieces of sheetrock that would occasionally crumble off of the bigger pieces or would hang off of the 2x4s that stabilized everything. The resident would be on another scaffolding with a Christian on the bottom moving the scaffolding around while I was doing the same and the consultant would move me around unapologetically blurting out good job tiger in an overdone and extremely offensive Indian accent. Why he chose that route, I will never know. There's a lot that he did that I will never know why he did. He gave me some good pointers on how to tear off the sheetrock right though, thankfully, but there was still that feeling of uncertainty when ripping pieces of the wall apart. You see, for those who don't know, sheetrock can be so heavy and fragile at the same time that if you were to move it from the bottom, or yank it from the bottom, the top could cave in from the weight and break off into potentially dangerous and bigger pieces of debris. And we had already broken out the bigger pieces, and our big task from here was just ripping off the rest. We actually took these giant poles, almost. The best way I can describe them is they're the kind of poles that look like the things you use to screw in and unscrew in light bulbs that are too tall for a ladder. It was those. And so we took the back of those, extended them out, and literally poked the sheetrock until they broke off in the largest chunks possible. And then we took the scaffolding, went up, and just took it out with our bare hands. That was what I was doing at this goddamn sales job at a furniture store. Jesus. And we were roughly 30% of the way through the wall, and I had found a groove that was somewhat predictable. A couple of good tugs and the sheetrock would come clean off. Nothing crazy. And I'm not sure if I had gotten too comfortable with it, or it was just part of the unpredictability, but I guess I should have heard something was off when the consultant started yelling at me, and this time, not in his favorite Indian accent. So. Instinctively, I tucked my head down once I saw the sheetrock folding in on itself, just in time to feel two extra-large fragments slam right into my back on their way down as the consultant got out of the way just in time. When the coast was clear, he climbed up to where I was to see the damage. Are you okay? He said. Yeah, I grumbled as I wiped the white dust off my newly bought clothes. It's just part of the job. No, it isn't, the consultant commanded. No, it's not, 
and I wouldn't argue with him. I mean, if we were keeping score, he was right. It wasn't part of the job. I had just read the documents that explain the responsibilities and duties of the job. Why was the salesman breaking down sheetrock and potentially getting his back broken? Well, that's a really good question. And I catch myself very often asking myself the same thing. I could have done a lot of different things. I could have talked to my boss about the reality of my job and what she was wanting me to do. I could have walked out and never come back. But I didn't do any of these. Why is that? Well, it was very clear that I was in a very different headspace at the time. And maybe I'm just a little more jaded and a little wiser now than I was before, but the best thing I can conclude to explain it is I was assuring myself that this was the best circumstance that I could get. I had a better job than my previous one, and this was only temporary until the slow season was done. At least the construction was temporary, the job itself was temporary until I could become a full-time hypnotherapist. And that's important to highlight. This is a great way to think and a great way to be. If you can find the positives of a situation, it'll help you condition your mind to be a little more loose and not as stressed out when things get tedious or hectic. I mean, if you want to see a more radical example of that, Man's Search for Meaning is the perfect example of that kind of mindset. But it's important not to let that cloud your understanding of situations or what goes on because yeah, you may have a positive approach to something that's not great, but at the end of the day, it's still unhealthy, or in my case, just flat out dangerous. So the best thing to do in that situation is to keep your positive outlook. That's the first step. Then the next step is to be proactive in your pursuit to a good solution. And that means something different for everyone. For some, it would be putting your foot down and setting boundaries, and for others, it would just be quitting, because why waste your time? I chose the latter, ultimately, but I didn't have the financial situation to just leave on the spot, which meant I picked a little bit of both worlds. I applied to an average of 5-10 to 10 jobs a day, all the while doing what I could to keep my head up. That was probably the start of the decline at my time there. If it wasn't earlier, of course. And before I finish this story, this wasn't something that I had written down, but I think is important to notice. I had mentioned that this was what I thought was the best circumstance for me. And that's crucial. Because you can have the most positive outlook ever. I mean, you can be sunshine and rainbows every day, but the reality is, if you identify something that may not be the best for you as the best circumstance, your mind has immediately put gates and walls around your potential and the best avenue for you. If you say, you know, well, this is an Amazon and this is, you know, the best job I could get, so I'm going to stick with that, it immediately tells your brain, okay, 
the furthest we're gonna go is a sales job where we're tearing down walls and taking out sheetrock and spider ducks. And it doesn't allow you to have the kind of loose thinking that you would need to move up and progress further. Which is why I think the best circumstance for a lot of people is sustainable, but it is so much higher than people think it is, you know? Which is why I think it's really important to understand that when you make goals, don't be afraid to have extremely high goals. So that way you can broaden your limits and your boundaries to the best of your abilities. And as the saying goes, Shoot for the stars so you, you can land on the moon. Now, thank you all for listening to this episode of Get Lost So You Can Find Your Way Home. I hope this episode leaves you better than it found you. And if you'd like to schedule a hypnotherapy appointment with me, feel free to click on the Calendly link down below in the show notes to schedule a time with me, and I would love to see how I can help. Thank you as always, and until next time, here's to finding your way.